welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 240, The Cow Manure Turkey with Preston Pittman. And I am your host and the guy who has the fishing DTs. I'll be on the lake soon. I just hope that is soon enough. So today we are 289 days, 11 hours, 26 minutes, and 37 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Hey, I'm going to be quick today because I've got a pretty lengthy interview for you guys. So at the NWTF convention this year, Cameron and I were eating breakfast and game planning our day a little bit when he asked me if I'd ever read the book Bad Birds by Jim Spencer. So I told him no, and he told me a little bit about the book, and then he said, you know, you should do some interviews with some of the pros and have them tell you stories of some of the character turkeys that they've killed. Of course, since I love a turkey hunting story just as much as you guys do. I thought that was a pretty strong suggestion on his part. So today I have our first pro character turkey story for you guys from none other than Preston Pittman. So let's jump right into the interview with Preston and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am glad to tell you that I have on the line with me today a regular to the show and I didn't want to say an old regular because I don't want him hanging up on me, but I've got a regular (laughs) on the show today and I'm going to twist his arm and this is difficult to get him to do this, but I'm going to twist his arm and get him to share a turkey story with us. But first of all, I'm going to say Preston Pittman, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the show today and How's everything going in your world? Always my honor, always my pleasure, but I was about to think that you didn't love me quite as much as you used to, and the terminology that you should use with me is an old, forgetful fart, because you've got an old man that's doing a turkey podcast that went off and didn't get his turkey calls, and about halfway horse, but we will get through this, buddy. We'll get through this. Well, I happen to have a little bit of experience in listening to you do some natural voice calling, so I'm pretty sure you can make something up as we go along. Well, the voice is strained a little bit right now, but we will try. How's that? That's fair enough, and 
I don't think anybody listening to this is thinking about judging you for the Grand Nationals or the or the World Championship of Natural Voice Calling. So I think you'll be all right. <laughs> well, we're, I think today we're going to talk about killing a turkey, not calling a turkey. You're right. You're right. You're exactly right. So when I talked to you last, which was one day last week, you'd mentioned to me that you were going on a crappie fishing trip this weekend. How did that go? Yes, I did. Me and the, the country singer Andy Griggs, and I never can say the name of the lake right, but Eden, Eden, Eden Lake, hmm. you know, the Sardis, Grenada, and Eden. The bite was slow, and we fished for about four hours, and we ended up catching 11 keepers. All of them were in that old 13, 13 and a half, 14 inch train. So we fed a bunch of people last night and had a darn good time. There you go. I was pretty, pretty, pretty impressed with Jeremy, the boy that we went with. He worked hard and he was on the phone and talking to a bunch of folks. And I don't believe there was hardly anybody on that lake uh, that was catching many fish. And we still ended up putting a, a mess of fish in a boat because of the, as he calls himself, the real deal guide service. So I'm sorry, but I had to give him a little plug. No, that's all good. That is all good. No issues with that. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I will be back again. I can promise you that. You know, I can sit down and enjoy a good ball game, especially football, and then comes baseball, unless the turkeys are gobbling, the deer are in rut, and the fish are biting. Then, I'm sorry, the TV's going off and I'm grabbing a gun or a fishing pole. And I am the self-proclaimed founder of the Catch and Fry Club. We do release fish, but only in Lake Crisco, especially crappie. Got you. I hear hear that lake's kind of hot. Uh, let me tell you what, those three lakes, he did make a phone call over to Sardis yesterday, and the bite was on at Sardis yesterday, but they had been having a tournament up on Grenada. I think it's the Mississippi Crappie Fishermen's Association, something like that. They had a big tournament up on Grenada, and I think they struggled a little bit on Grenada. I know he got in the money. I don't know where he exactly placed that, but he had... 21, 20 or 21 fish. And I think the average weight was in the two-pound class. Now, folks, let me tell you something. You can hold a crappie up and look and say, that's a two-pound fish, and then you put it on the scale, and all of a sudden he shrinks down to about maybe a pound to a pound and a quarter. A two-pound crappie is a huge crappie because these that we were catching yesterday were in that one-pound class. Very fine crappie and very good-eating fish. On all three of those lakes, it is your fish has to be over 12 inches. I can promise you it's 12 and a quarter. I am going to keep it. I can promise you that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I like to eat them too. Amen. Yeah, no doubt. Well, very good. Well, I'm glad you're able to get out and enjoy yourself. And I know you have been working hard ever since turkey season ended for you which I guess you and I have spoken, what, twice? This is the third time now since turkey season ended. And yeah. I got a little summary of your turkey season, but no one listening to the show has heard how your turkey season went. So give us a little summary of your turkey season. 
Well, here here's the way it is. If you remember, I had back surgery. Then I had I had an automobile accident, and then I fell down some steps. Mm-hmm. So let's just say there's not a lot of spring in my step. So I hunted. It's actually in the woods. Fewer days this year than I probably have ever been in the turkey woods and had one of the better seasons per day in the woods. And I want everybody to think that that, that I can go kill a turkey or the person with me can kill a turkey every time that we go because we don't and we can't. We have the same troubles and the same problems as anybody else does. But right. 27 days in the woods, I saw 27 birds die. I had six misses, and I had four or five should have shot anywhere from 12 steps to 40 yards. But now how I got that average was a couple of days in Kansas had triples. A couple of days in Mississippi had doubles. I had a triple in Tennessee and had a double in Tennessee. So it made up for the days that, that me or the person with me didn't kill. Right. But the year actually started a little slow. The bubble, when it opened up and happened, I think I could have stood on the hood of my truck and killed a bird. The man upstairs blessed me and put me in the right place at the right time every time. And it's been a long time since that happened. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, how's that song go? I want some more of it. That's right. Yeah. I like I want, it. I love it. I want some more, I want some more of, of that. Uh-huh. Don't yeah, have. I love it. I want some more of it. Keep it coming is all I can say. It was no a great doubt. year for me. Yeah, those those tough years are, are tough. And then when you have a year like that, it sure makes up for it and makes you smile and you know reminds you of why we get out there and do that. Because so, there's Amen. a lot of those tough years when a lot of days in a row go by where I wonder, why I'm doing this. I could, I should take up quilting or cross-stitching, maybe origami. I mean, anything. But Well, what I, what I normally think on those days like that is I'm going to go find some of my old trophies, my old world championship, national and grand national trophies, and I'm going to put them all over the truck and drive up in the woods and go, you stupid son of a gun, look who's trying to call you. <laughs> I mean, give me a little bit of respect. The last time I tried that, I got, I, I think I got three in three days because they uh, they choked on their own water laughing so hard. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. You just had to walk through the woods and pick up carcasses. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, man. Man, I, I'm glad you had a great year. I know the past couple of years have been tough on you, and, and a lot of that is, you know, the health issues that you had and i know your health is good but just medical stuff with your back and so on and so forth so i'm i'm glad that this year turned out to be a hot year for you kind of like a bad habit i keep coming back there you go you ain't gonna get me down i'm 65 years old and as long as i can go be drug pushed carried in an electric buggy digging a hole whatever i'm gonna be out there i'm going i love it too much yeah, I know everybody listening to this show can definitely relate to that statement. So, yeah, Amy. Well, I wanted to get you on the show today. Well, first of all, because you're right, I, it's been a while since you've been on, and I don't want you thinking that I don't love you. So I want to get you on for that reason. But also, I've gotten this idea from Cameron, who 
is my former intern, but still helps me out at the NWTF convention in Nashville and helps me do some things from time to time. And so he told me, he said, you know what you should do just for an idea for some show topics is get some of these guys on the show like Preston and maybe Harold Knight or whoever else and just let them share a story about a character turkey. And what he means by a character turkey is that turkey that sticks out in your mind that, you know, we either name that turkey before we kill him or we name that turkey after we kill him, which I don't like to name them beforehand because to me that humanizes them too much. I like I like to never forget that they're a wild turkey. And so, you know, if I name one Joe or something like that, I'm, I'm bringing him up to the same level that I am. And we all know that turkey's better than me. So <laughs> I, I wanted to get you on today and just chat with you a little bit and get you to think back and share a story about a character turkey with us. How long have I got? <laughs> uh, you got quite okay. a while. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you the shorter version. And unlike you, most of the time, I name those birds before I kill them. And some of the names, and I know the listeners can relate to this and don't take me as a bad person on this, some of the names I can't tell you over the airwaves. Right. But this one I can. And I'll tell you what his name was. His name, but he did not earn his name until the day that I killed him. And he was called the cow manure bird which will be, if I ever get it written, will be one of the chapters in my book in more detail. Awesome. So you want me to get right into it? I'd love it. Okay, and this listens with this too. One, back in the old days, I was born and raised in Hansburg, Mississippi. I learned how to turkey hunt down in what we always called Camp Shelby, which is DeSoto National Forest, and down in Red Creek Game Reserve, in management area down around Van Cleve, Mississippi. Did most of my hunting from Highway 98 south and from basically where 49 and 98 cross east. So there's a tremendous block of woods that used to be in there Mm -hmm. that was full of turkeys and probably one of the last holdouts of the turkeys in the state of Mississippi besides the Delta. So I just want to give you a little foundation first. Okay. Several years later, Lamar County opened up, which is out towards the Olo, Summerall, just west of Hattiesburg. So now what was happening was turkey hunting was starting to get very popular. So, of course, the forest was getting slammed by eons and eons of people. And all of a sudden, we have another county open up that is either paper timber company land or private land. So at during those years, I'm trying to remember dates. It's hard for me to remember. Late 80s, 90s, somewhere in through there. Mm-hmm. That was turning into the holy grail as far as a, getting a spot to go turkey hunting. So I had an old buddy, and I'm going to name him too. I had an old buddy by the name of Edwin Lamb from New Augusta, Mississippi. He was just about as big, maybe even a little bigger redneck than I am. Great friend, though. I could call him right now and say I'm in trouble, and he'd come help me and drive four hours to get to me. Called me, but he was a turkey hunter. You see, he still had to lay some foundation work. You don't ever trust another turkey hunter. (laughs) 
You think a fisherman will lie, a turkey hunter will lie twice as bad. Uh, so when you get somebody like me, you ask me where the turkey's at, you ain't going to get the answer you want. Not when it's my birds. Right. Not when it's birds that I'm hunting. Now, that's the way we were brought up. Things have changed a lot now. People share a lot more. People share information a lot more. And that's wonderful, and that's great. Well, I ain't going to lie to you. I'm a few days that I get to go myself. I kind of have a tendency to shut my mouth up and not volunteer anything. Uh-huh. But, oh, Edwin called me. He knew that I was hunting down there. He had worked offshore. And he called me up, and he says, Preston. I said, yeah, Edwin, what's up? He says, I got to go offshore. He says, I'm going to miss about the last 15, 16 days, third season. And he says, I got a bird out there in Lamar County. When he said Lamar County, my ears kind of picked up. And I said, yeah. He said, yes, private land. I said, really? He said, but now you're going to have to get permission. He said, I, I don't, I don't talk to Mr. Jones. He said, you can go down there and go hunt if you just get in the bus. Well, that, that should have been, he's a turkey hunter. Even though he's only got, you know, a little over two weeks left of season, he's going to be gone all short. You just don't trust him. Okay. You have to kind of lay this, all this foundation down. But I did, and I called Mr. Jones. I said, Mr. Jones, this is Preston Pittman. He says, fine, come on out. And let me look at you and meet you. Who's your only people out here? I said, yes, yeah, so Uncle Lewis, Lewis Bond. Oh, I know Lewis Bond. Yeah, he's a good fellow. Come on out here and meet me. I'll show you my place. Drove out there, walked up, knocked on the door. Man come out there, and he says, uh, I called you, Uncle. I said, yes, sir. And he said, you're good. You're good to go. I said, awesome. Great. Thank you. I said, I'll close your gates. I'm going to climb over your fences. I'll go under them and through them, you know, because he had cattle back there behind his house. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll treat you like, man, like, like mine. He said, that's good. He said, that's what I want here. I said, well, can you kind of tell me about your, you know, your, your boundaries? You know, where, where? And he said, walks out in the yard, so let me show you something, boy. And he took his hands, and as you can imagine, he waved them in front of him. And he goes, all this is mine. Andy, I'm looking at about a 60-acre cow pasture, got a few cattle in it. I'm looking up to the left, and there's pine trees, and it kind of comes down to pine tree hardwood forest, kind of goes on down into a little bottom, a little creek running through there, nothing but hardwood. And I went, good God, Edwin, boy, you have screwed up, man. This is gorgeous, you know, here. Perfect, you know, built and everything. And I said, you know, Mr. John, this is is beautiful. I said, God, man, what about that ridge right up here under where they No, 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 no. You can't go up there. I said, sir, he said, all this. yeah, I know I did, but uh, you, you can't go up there. He said, hey, you can't go even, you can't, you can't even touch that barbed wire fence up there. I said, sir? He says, yeah, it's one of them rich doctors that own that up yonder. He says, he's got them surveillance cameras. And that's back before we had the cameras that we got now. He's one of them rich dudes. If you sit up against a tree, in fact, he's got me in court right now. He's fixing to sue me because he says my fence is two and a quarter inches over on his land. Oh my God! Okay, fine. You know, I said, well, that bottom. I said, man, I'm gonna tell the truth to you. I said that bottom down there. I said that's awful pretty with that creek. Ought to be a turkey. No, 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 no. You can't go down there neither. And I said, sir, well, you know, that's all the woods that there is. I'm thinking to myself. I said, sir, he said, all this is yours. He said, yeah, but that ain't down yonder. He said, that feller so-and-so, I'm not going to say a name. That feller so-and-so's land. He said, you go down there, you love to get a, a load of buckshot in your rear end. He's got a steel head down yonder. And I went, Evan Lamb, I'm going to kill you. 
I'm looking at a 60-acre cow pasture that's got cows in it with one little fence row coming through it with one little briar patch that you can get in. Uh-huh. And I'm going, uh-huh. he has set me up again. <laughs> it wasn't the first time. But I'm there. You know what I mean? I'm there. So, okay, I'm going to walk around and look. I go through the men's gate, close gate, walk down there, and boy, the first thing I found out in the middle of the pasture is a big old copper track and a cow pile. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to waste the morning. I'm going to come back tomorrow morning. I'm going to hunt this. So I come back the next morning, and he's my door open, walk down there to his gate. I said, my God, there is something here. Of course, now I'm panicking because I ain't really looked as hard as I should have, but I remembered that one little briar patch. So I boogied down to that briar patch for it started breaking and showing up daylight, daylight. And as I crawled through the fence, it looked like 150 people had had a party in that briar patch. There wasn't a blade of grass standing once you got up underneath. It had been set on and worn down so much by the 16 people, Edwin Lamb, and now me on this one turkey. Oh, gosh. But I said, I'm him. He gobbled. I did one little tree call. He cut me off. I said, hmm, it's about fly down time. And that was back in my show enough calling, calling days. Mm -hmm. So I did the most perfect fly down cackle. Boy, here come a B-52 bomber down through that pasture. It lit out there about 75 yards from me. Man, I done put my gun on my double, on my knee. I done knocked the thing, safety off. I'm ready for him. I give him three little pretty soft. Yep, 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 yep. I said, you did. <laughs> Ain't no doubt in my mind. And here he comes. I mean, he's just a waddling back and forth. That beard's a swinging back and forth like he's sweeping the grass or the leaves off the pasture in front of him. He got out there about 60 yards, and he stopped dead still. He went to complete attention. Every feather on his body was slicked down. He double-stacked his wings, turned around, gone. Hmm. Now, Andy, remember, I ain't got the 60 acres to hunt. Yeah. And it's a cow pasture. So that hunt's over with. Second morning, I'm going to cut the story a little bit short, okay? Second morning, I ain't going to say nothing to him when he's on the roof because I ain't heard a hen. Okay. Right. I get there 30 minutes early. I go to my briar patch, dewberries. I get up in it. He gobbles. Boy, I wanted to call to him. I didn't. He get out in the pasture. About the same place, about 70, 75 yards. Mm-hmm. I went, one little cluck to him. Boy, he stopped, looked at me, went in a half strut, gobbled very slowly. Here he comes. I said, I ain't going to say another word to him. He knows that there's a hen on the other side of this briar patch, about 60 yards, the same thing as the morning before. Went to complete attention, periscoped that neck up, double stacked, blue-eyed field. Good God, what am I doing wrong? Didn't wear glasses in. Didn't have nothing shiny. Yeah. Third morning, I go, okay, what am I going to do now? So I break out a box call. Same thing. Fourth morning, I break out a slate call. Same thing. Fifth morning. I tell you what, I got so desperate this morning, I went and bought a Primo's turkey call. I, that didn't work either. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Mr. Will Primo's and what he's done for my home state here in Mississippi. Nothing but 
but but but respect for the man. Oh, yeah. I just had to pick on somebody, so I pick on him. <laughs> Sixth morning, same thing. Seventh morning, same thing. Eighth morning, same thing. Didn't matter what I did. I tried clucking and purring and do witting. I tried cackling. I tried everything you can think of. Well, name's under my skin. Oh yeah. And the name I had in name then, I cannot repeat through the airways. Uh-huh. But it wasn't nice. So the ninth morning, I pull up, I opened up my door in the dome light, and my $225 Chevrolet pick-em-up truck worked that morning. And as I opened the door, obviously during the night, some of his cattle had gotten out. And have you ever seen a cow that's been eating a lot of uh, ryegrass whenever they poop? It ain't no pile. It's a stream of green slime, and it was right there at my door. Mm-hmm. And the light went off in my head. I said, you are going to die this morning. As I bent over and picked that good, smelly, runny, drippy cow crap, and I smeared it all over my body. Mm. And I went to my little patch, and I yipped to him on the roof, three little yips. He cut me off. He hit the field. I turned my head behind the little briar patch. I yelled three more, and at 18 steps, I took his head off. And no, you know as well, no, maybe the listeners don't know, they cannot and do not smell like a white-tailed deer. Now, have you ever heard this story from me before, yes or no? No. Andy, why did the cow crap kill the turkey? I do not know. Mm. You know, this is the one thing that I try to teach people in my classes, and if I ever do get my book written, all of these stories of these particular birds all have very important lessons. And the one thing I try to teach people is to pay attention as to what is going on around them at all times, because all of Mother Nature is talking to you, teaching you, and showing you things if you'll open up your eyes and open up your mind. What happens whenever you get into a pasture that has cattle in it and you start yelping and or either put a decoy out? What are the cows going to do? They're coming to They're going to come to you. That is correct. And every time me and the other guys who had hunted this bird, what those cattle were doing or some of the cattle were doing is when they heard the yelp, they came over and investigated the yelp. Uh And what did they smell? They smelled a strange human being in the one little thicket that they couldn't get to. Uh And when they smelled the strange human being, they would turn around and run back out into the pasture. The bird had number sixes, number fives, and a twenty-two short in him. (laughs) The bird had learned to watch the cattle, and if I watch the cattle, they'll tell me, if that is a real McCoy or if there's a booger bear over there in that bush. Pay attention to everything that's going on around you. Sometimes you never know what can help you harvest that bird. Yeah. That's my favorite story. I love it. That That's pretty amazing, and but it makes perfectly good sense because I know the majority of us have had a turkey hunt ruined by cows if we yep. hunt in an area that has cows in it or I've even had one ruined by horses in Texas. Yep. Well, almost ruined. We ended up killing the turkey that day. 
but it was it was probably the most hilarious turkey hunt that I've ever been on. But yeah, that's that's interesting. And so the cows are always seem to always be an issue when you're hunting cow pastures because if you put out decoys, they're coming to the decoy. They're coming to the decoy, and ninety percent of the time they're going to lick it. Yes, they'll knock them over. Or they'll <laughs> they'll do whatever. Yeah, or they'll yep. ease up to the decoy and then turn around and run off, and then they'll ease yep, up and come back and turn around and run off. Yeah, yeah, yep. and, and so yeah, they do the same thing with calling. You know, they're they're very inquisitive, so that makes perfectly good sense. So you you never when you were hunting and in that briar patch, and and I know when a turkey hits the ground out in the field, all your attention's on that turkey, and if. I would imagine you're just like I am to a certain extent. We pretty well have blinders on, but, you know, we do pick up things in the periphery, but we don't pay it a whole lot of attention most of the time. But you didn't happen to notice the cows coming up or hear them coming up to the briar thicket or anything like that. What? It it, it was like that subliminal thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And, And I was so much younger then, I didn't study stuff the way I study it now. But whenever... Whenever my light hit that cow crap in the guy's yard, mm-hmm. it's like, you dummy, you've been seeing this every day and you hadn't seen it. It hadn't dawned on you what's going on. Put this cow crap on you, and when the cows come up and smell, they're going to smell cow crap. They ain't going to smell a human being. And it worked. Yeah. But, yeah, that we, we all get what they call the tunnel vision. And I guess that's what I'm, I'm I'm saying right now is, is if I can get people out of the tunnel vision, not only with their eyes, but especially with their ears, you know, I've talked about this in the past before, then all of a sudden a whole new world opens up to you. Now you hear that the blue jay just starts fussing over behind the big blowdown and the turkey hadn't said anything for 10 minutes. Well, now my focus of attention is on the blue jay mm-hmm. because there's a possibility that the blue jay is fussing at the turkey that's in full strut over there behind uh, the blowdown. Not that it will be all the time. That's not what I'm telling people. Right. But it's a darn good indicator. You know, now's the time turkeys aren't gobbling. And uh, all of a sudden I hear crows sounding off. It always goes back to the basics, knowing your territory, knowing your terrain. And I remember there's an old house place with a logging road, you know, 400 yards up there on top of that ridge, which is where the crow's at. There's a good possibility there's a turkey strutting up and down that old road or is out in that old house place yard strutting. I didn't hear him gobble, but the crow told me. So it's those sort of things that I really, I guess what you say, I'm trying to pass on to other people is to pay attention to any and everything that's going on around you not only with your eyes but also with your ears and i promise you i promise you you will harvest more birds and you will all of a sudden start hearing things and seeing things that will make you appreciate the sport that much more have you ever sit and watched a spider build a web yeah especially when the dew is on it and he's going back and repairing it and then all of a sudden the sun comes through and hits a drop of that dew or a dozen drops of it and it turns into prisms those are the sort of thing not just killing the bird but those are the sort of things that i wish a lot of these 
I just got to say it. Younger people would appreciate more. Yeah, we want to harvest a bird. Sure we do. I like getting my rear end bloody with his head dangling on top of it. I sure do. But more importantly, I want to see all of God's greatest creation. That's everything out there. And every, every little piece, part, component. If you want to screw me up worse than anything else, if I start finding chips of, of arrowheads, dead gum, I can't stand it. I'm going to want to start going arrowhead hunting. Yeah. I got to go get him killed real quick and get back, or I'll wait to another day. Those that's turkey hunting to me. Go to Missouri, you know where you got can only hunt for half a day. Hey, spend the other half a day having a good time finding morel mushrooms mm-hmm. and look at all the things that you'll see inside. All right, I'm I'm off my bandwagon. I'll quit preaching. Okay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to quit preaching. I think that it's a valuable lesson, and you know, for me, I think that I kind of reached that point in my turkey hunting I would say probably 10 or 12 years ago so that would have put me around 10 or 12 years into turkey hunting when I I got to that point where I'd killed several birds and there was more to it than just the numbers at the end of the season yeah yes so yes very much so may I ask how many years you've been turkey hunting you know I've never asked you that question I started turkey hunting, well, I went the very first time in 1990, the spring of 90. So I didn't actually really turkey hunt, though, or get into it seriously until about 95 or 96. So you got a good 15 years in plus. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm See, 20. You're, 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 you're about dead on. You know, you're, it takes about 10 years before you go, hey, there's more out here. But for the first 10 years, you're right. Most people, all they're, they're, they're worried and concerned about is killing. And now, dead gumming, i got to say, with a younger group, listening to the podcast, going to the Internet, trying to find the quick way uh, or what I call the McDonald's way. Mm-hmm. That's one, one thing I do like and respect about you is that you're trying to give good, solid information to people out there. There's a lot of people that are doing quickies. Or either they're all up north, nothing against the north, but still, Alabama, Mississippi, two hardest states they are in the world to kill a turkey. But it's simply because we've had the longest consecutive running seasons, and they've been educated more. And as you go north, they get, Georgia's starting to be real tough now. I mean, not picking on any state. But the further you go north, it's just simply because the seasons haven't lasted as long and the birds haven't been pressured as much. And if you haven't hunted, you ain't hunting down here where I hunt at, you ain't no turkey hunter to me. I'm sorry. Come on down to my part of the country. Go down into Camp Shelby, the home of the National Forest. What some of the national forests in Alabama. Go to some of those kill turkey. Bubba, you can go do that, you turkey hunter. It's a different level. So... You know, I'm now at 34 states into my super slam and trying to kill a turkey in all 49 states that have turkeys. And it took me six, I believe it was six trips to Mississippi to kill. (laughs) And, you know, I hunted, because I live here, obviously, I hunted Alabama a great deal of the season. And it's... The, those two states are just on a different level. And I, I would even expand it a little bit and throw Arkansas in there as well just because of the population 
declines that they've had, they don't have quite the numbers that I think we have in Alabama and Mississippi, but that's all. I, I got a question for you. Just I got a question. Time. It's going to draw an analogy here. Right. You just went to Maine, didn't you? Yes. How hard was that bird to kill? It uh, Not. Okay. It, it was not hard. The further north you go. So, yeah, Arkansas in there. Georgia's in there. I mean, there's a lot of states that are in there. It's got tough turkeys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to oh, yeah, belittle any other state. Tough turkeys. But as you ease north, with the exception of New York and PA on public ground, yeah. especially PA. PA is hammered. Right. And it's tough. I can tell you that. Yeah. I've hunted it. But all those other states, it's just as you ease a little north, they get a little bit easier. But they haven't had the, the lengthy seasons. It's like, like what we've seen. You're right. Mississippi, Alabama is a whole different world, whole different category. Yeah. Look, I hunted Arkansas for two days this year. I was on private ground that supposedly had a bunch of birds. I heard one bird gobble off turf, and I left Arkansas not killing a bird. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you, as the old cliche goes, got to have birds to kill them. That's exactly right. And when they ain't there, they ain't there. And when they're not heavily populated, that 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 margin of success comes way down even more and more. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I, I asked the question at the NWTF convention. This has now been about three years ago of, of the pros that were there, and I asked you two that year this question. All right, that's all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of Preston's cow manure turkey story, then you will need to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. And in order to become a subscriber, all you need to do is text the word turkey hunter. Make that one word. Your autocorrect on your phone is going to try to make that two words for you, so you'll have to keep an eye on that and delete that space between the two words. But text turkey hunter to the number 44222. When you do that, I'm going to send you some instructions that you'll need to follow, and eventually I'm going to send you a link that you can click on where you can create your username and password on the Podbean application and pay the $18 per year annual subscription fee. Your $18 subscription fee will get you not only the rest of this week's episode and this crazy story that Preston's telling, but it will get you all of the premium content for our past episodes as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. There is a bunch of content locked up under the premium content plan, and I really don't think you'll be disappointed if you subscribe and spend the 18 bucks to get that content. Kind of makes you stop and think, doesn't it? So I'm going to ask you the question, if you haven't already asked yourself, how far would you go to kill a turkey? Would you purposefully rub cow poo all over yourself to take the chance that doing so may be, may be what it takes to kill a turkey. I mean, it was never a guarantee for Preston that he would kill that turkey after rubbing poo all over himself. So he did that just on a hunch that it would help him to kill that tom. And it paid off. I know I'm not the only one who's done this, but I can tell you I've crawled through it while crawling to get into position on a turkey, but I've never willingly rubbed it all over myself 
So would you, could you, have you ever rubbed cow poo on you on purpose? Makes you stop and think for a minute, doesn't it? So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. And I've got a little bit of a different favor of the week this week. And if you've never done a favor of the week for me, this is one I really want you to do. Take someone fishing or camping this week. So not to be Debbie Downer, but I lost a fishing buddy this week. And I didn't make the time over the past four or five years to take him fishing because of work and other commitments. So my favor is for you guys to take an afternoon or a morning off of work or away from your chores at the house or away from whatever obligation it is that you might have on the weekend and take your spouse or your kids or your dad or your mom or your fishing buddy or whoever it is that enjoys those trips with you, take them out. Enjoy one of those trips with that person. Don't have any regrets. You can make up work. You can make up those chores around the house, but you may never get the chance to take that person out fishing again or camping again or whatever it is that that person likes to do in the outdoors. So get out, enjoy the outdoors with your friends and your family, make some memories, and just have a great time and be safe out there. Also, don't forget that if you are going to be within a few hours drive of Mobile the weekend of June the 14th and June 15th, then go check out the 2019 World Turkey Calling Championship. So you can go to Facebook and just type in 2019 World Turkey Calling Championship and get more details on it. I think you'll enjoy the competition. So that's it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.